sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. Oh, what up and shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters and scholarship counts. My name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, as always, a Rob Van Hoff. What up, Hoff? What up? How's it Caleb, going? Hey, okay, I know that our listeners, our live listeners, awesome yes. live listeners, aren't going to be able to hear this, but I need to know what is on the poster. You've got new, new culture in the office there. That's right. Actually, you can't see it because I think my microphone, the way. my my head and my microphone is in the way. First of all, right here, I have a picture. A dear sister in the Lord, Sandra Steed, passed away last week, and uh, her family sent me a box of some of her old stuff. Uh, she was a, a very uh, big supporter of Torah Resource. Tour Resource Institute, and uh, one of the things that they sent me was uh, pictures of when I baptized her in 2014. So I got one of those hanging up. Back here is a uh, painting. Now, this is an interesting story. I was still dating my lovely wife, and we went to a uh, we went to a, an art gallery. It was an art opening, and it was in an abandoned brick warehouse in downtown Tacoma. And they had set up all this uh, all this art around this brick this brick building, and you walked in and they gave you a glass of wine, and then you walked around and you look at the at all the art. And uh, we came to this one painting. <coughs> pardon me. It was called David and Goliath. Oh no, maybe it was just called David. It was called David, and uh, it was the picture. It was like the silhouette of a ninja, and in front of or behind, however you want to look at it, behind the silhouette is this giant transformer-like thing that spans, you know, that looks like it's maybe 20, 30 feet taller than the ninja. The ninja's got a sword. And uh, the the transformer has a huge tie, or has a tie around his neck. And so I think what the artist was trying to say was like, David against corporate America is how I, how I think he was trying to portray it. Like Goliath is like... Uh, corporate America, yeah. But I saw it completely differently I saw it that I, the person looking at the painting, was Goliath, and that the ninja was David, and then behind him was what David actually was, this giant of a person, ready to, you know, like, what you're fighting looks small, but it's real. That's so level. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and so I said I really liked it. Uh, However, the painting was quite expensive. And uh, my wife, uh, the wonderful woman that she was, uh, this was about three months before my birthday. She uh, didn't say anything. Later, she tracked down the artist, contacted him. He was up in Seattle. Uh, He had already sold the painting. She asked if he'd repaint it. And he said yes. Wow. So he, he repainted it, and my wife bought it for my birthday. Long story for the intro of our show, but there you go. And there it is. 
All right. That's what up? Cool. Yeah. What up in Shalom to everybody in the chat room? Good to see you. What up in Shalom to you, Rob? How you been, man? I'm doing well. Baruch Hashem. Enjoying Chag uh, Hamatzot. Yes. With cream cheese, with locks, with yeah. melted cheese, with... No bagels, though. No bagel. Um, do, now, we haven't talked since uh, since the Passover Seder last Friday night. How was that? It was very nice. Yeah? Very nice. We, what, now, we did spent... you have a community Seder? No, we just have uh, break into different homes. You break into homes. Uh, don't do that. That's <laughs> against Torah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's nice. I still have a I have a bottle of Manischewitz that did not get opened. Yeah, well, and that's that sweet. That's that, understandable. That's real sweet stuff. And my wife's like, "Well, let's just take it back," you know. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. Do they take after Passover? Do they take back? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been opened. It's Fred Meyer. <laughs> Gross. We had we had uh, my now my parents had twenty people at their Passover table mm-hmm. um and uh, uh adam smith good friend of mine him and his family drove out from montana to stay with us as they do have for the past what three years now adam he's in the chat room uh it was uh it was a, a great time we had a wonderful time they stayed with us until monday morning then they yeah. took off yeah it was a, we had a we had a really blessed time so um, and actually Dennis Fabe was with, uh, the family too. And I, I haven't seen him in the chat room. You know, he just moved out, uh, to Tacoma to be a part of our congregation, uh, from, right. fl- from oh. Florida. So, uh, yeah, hopefully once he gets his internet all up and running, we'll, we'll see him in the chat room again. Uh, all right. So, uh, what a bunch of love to everybody out there in, uh, radio land. We're happy that you're joining us. And I didn't know. So yesterday, I, I'll be completely honest with everybody. Yesterday, uh, normally I have our, our topic chosen by Monday morning. I work all Monday on the show, the show notes on uh, preparing clips, figuring out how, what we're going to talk about in the direction we're going to go in. By the end of Monday, I had no clue what we were going to talk about. Tuesday morning <laughs> rolls around and... I still didn't know what we were going to talk about. And Rob uh, calls up. I had two things on my list. Uh, I had this one clip, which is going to play in here in a few minutes. And then I also had, uh, I had, I, I just had a note that said, talk about Rob's review. And so I said that to Rob and he, and he took that and ran with it. So now I am happy to say that yesterday I spent all day. I'm pretty sure this is the most amount of clips I've ever pulled for a show. Sweet. <laughs> so you're all in for a treat. Now, what we got to do here first. Now, I, I found a clip. This has nothing to do with theology. I found a clip and I took a couple of ISOs from it. So let, I'm going to play you the whole one minute and 21 second clip. Uh, this is a commercial, I think. I think it's a real commercial. I don't know when it came out. However, the music would uh, suggest possibly late 80s, early 90s. What a day. <laughs> I tapped into the power. Tell me about it. There I was, an ordinary mom. Then I slid into my computer chair, and with a few clicks of my mouse, I became a mom on the net with the world at my fingertips. How does anyone have time to have fun? Melody, you made it. I had to go to the library to copy reference material for Nikki's report on New Zealand, and that took forever. Then I went to the bookstore to get a cookbook of low-fat recipes for that party that I might go to with George Cooper on Saturday. Why would you do that? And, of course, the book was sold out, so now I get to drive back there on Thursday. 
I had to drive to my sister's and drop off a poem she wants for her second graders tomorrow. Melanie, and then, are you on the internet? Isn't that for technical <laughs> spreadsheets? Oh, Mel, you need the power. We're Moms on the Net. We became Moms on the Net because there are so many resources available on the internet for moms and their families. The net is exciting. So when it's time for the real action, we surf. Surf the net. Learn with us as we ride the wave of information called the internet. Okay, so what the heck's the net? www.this and www.that. Let's www.explain it. <laughs> net etiquette or netiquette dictates that we do not type in all capital letters because the receiver interprets this as shouting. Hey, you know, it goes on, and there's a guy who looks a lot like Fabio who shows up at the door because they order flowers. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, you got to pull some of There's got to be some little snippets. In oh, there. well, here. Here are the snippets that I already pulled from it. These are the ISOs I got. Net etiquette or netiquette dictates that we do not type in all capital letters because the receiver interprets this as shouting. <laughs> That's the first one. The second one I got is this. Are you on the Internet? Isn't that for techno geeks with spreadsheets? <laughs> <Love it. laughs> Woo. All right. Well, okay, so uh, let's let's get. Oh well, <laughs> man, I'm all over the place today. This shows you how uh, you know I I was working literally up until Rob called me at uh, nine fifty <laughs> to do the show. Um, so, <laughs> oh, all right. Um, well, I suppose before we go on, let's do. It's This will be important today. Yes. Hit me with your best shot. What do you got? Okay. Show number 122. That's right. There's some special gematria here today, Caleb. <laughs> well, there needs to be. One is ani ani. So me, me. Ani means I, I. Right. Guess what? There are three times in Tanakh where we have ani ani, and it's always the Lord talking. Deuteronomy 32, Isaiah 48, and Hosea 5. Ani, ani. Then another word is is uh, that we have is yikavu, yikavu, mm-hmm. um, which is they will wait. Okay, they will wait um, because it could be vocalized as a nifal or as a as a uh, a pl, but it it yod kuf vav vav occurs three times. Oh. In the Tanakh, once in Genesis one, where he says, "Let waters yikavu, let them be gathered together." Isaiah fifty one, yikavu, they the coastlands will wait for yeah, my power. For, yeah, oh power then, is it Torah? Oh well, power, this, I guess there it, it's power there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a parallel passage, and then Isaiah sixty again, yim yikavu, that they will coastlands will wait for me. Mm-hmm. So those are so we've got uh, ani ani occurs three times, yikavu three times. How scary! We, how scary would it have been if truth was one twenty two? Keep going. Um, here's another one: lelohim to mm. Elohim, or yeah. belonging to Elohim. If we use the vav, and then yihye lahem tov, there will be good for them. It will mm. be good for them. So I, I'm just going to let our listeners decide. Yeah, Gematria. There, I'm just giving you the facts. You just there, there it is. You take take that and do with it as you will. All right, that's it, eh? 
Well, anytime Gematria comes up, we know that... You're a legend in your own mind. Your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. I have new music coming from those ladies. I have commissioned them to make us a new, a new jingle. Uh, since, you know, we got great listeners, but honestly, when I say something like, we really need a new song for this, our listeners are like, nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. I'm not making new, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not helping produce this show. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. Um, okay. So Rob brought, uh, several passages up to me. Let's read them real quick. First, well, Corinth- in, in the, yeah, in the spirit of. Of, yeah, right? that's right. That's right. Uh, however, I, I took I took uh, I, I ran with this a, a different direction. But yes. So first Corinthians five, eight, it says, I believe I'm reading from the NASB, quote, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. OK, and then John eighteen thirty seven through thirty eight. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Yeshua answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's a good question. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Um, okay, so um, I, I guess the question that I automatically went to is, you know, in my mind, I think of all of these teachers within Christianity, and I'm not just picking on the Messianic movement, uh, within the Messianic, the Hebrew roots, and the Christian, uh, all Christian denominations, are the pastors, are the teachers t- speaking truth? When, when, when uh, the, the apostolic scriptures is where I went, some might call them the New Testament for our newer listeners. In the apostolic scriptures, when we hear the, the word truth, what do we think of? Do we just think of telling no lies, telling what is right, or is there something else? So this spawned me to do a, uh, a, a word search. I looked in the apostolic scriptures for every time uh, the word aleth- aletheia, uh, was, which is truth, was preceded with the article, the truth. Now, I know that the 1 Corinthians 5, 8 passage does not have the article, right. correct? So we have in 1 Corinthians, and the article is obviously the, uh, so uh, the leaven of malice and evil, but... With the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, the article is not in 1 Corinthians 5.8. However, what I found was rather interesting. Even if you take the article out, I think there's only maybe two or three places in the Gospels that do not have, or that, that have, I'm sorry, there's only two or three places in the Gospels besides John that have this, this word aletheia. So Mark 5.33 is one of them. It has the article. And it's not talking about truth as John uses it. It says, but the women fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and, now this is the woman who touched Yeshua's garment, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
So that there we I think we have an instance where we are talking about telling truth, not lies. Right. But interestingly enough. Within John and hang on just a sec, because I actually have John singled out here. OK, so but if we just pause there, too, on the mark. Yeah, it means that the woman. There was no she wasn't trying to hide anything. She's just like, you know what? She was she knew it was at risky because she had touched him. She says, I'm just, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell him the facts. Yeah. Here are the facts. Facts. And that's, and, that, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So we have facts here. John uses the truth 16 times. It's only found three. Aletheia with the articles only found one other time. It's that in the Gospels. That's Mark 533. It's only found, I believe, two other times in the other Gospels without the article, Aletheia. Now, interestingly enough, though, is that Paul... Now, okay, what do you think? I'm I'm of the opinion that John was written late, later, not as late as the liberals would say, but so I think that he wrote after Paul. Interestingly enough, we have this, the truth, in John, in 1 John, in 2 John, and in third John. Besides that, Paul uses it. Peter uses it twice. And the book of Hebrews uses it once. That's it. So I think that Paul latched onto this idea of the truth. And then John took this idea of the truth and expanded it. What do you think? Am I stretching here? No. Go with it. Okay, so anyway, now I want to I want to move first of all to the passage that you brought up. Maybe you should read this since you found this. Changing the immutable. Well, the reason why because you know we I've gotten I've gotten some feedback from this article on the kosher pig, this kind of overview of my criticisms of the book and its method. Um I've got some encouraging feedback. I I got one comment that someone forwarded me that someone had posted that I was uh, that my my comments on the Zohar like were ign- reflected ignorance and prejudice or something like that, but the the person made that comment on a on a blog or something, but never unpacked like what substantively what it was that I did that was it reflected that ignorance or prejudice, um, but it did remind me of. Um, you know, because I, I claim that the Zohar is a, a product of 13th century Spanish uh, Jew mystic Moshe. Which it, de, which it Moshe, is. Yeah, Moshe de Leon. And I found, I found a, a, a quote in a book by Daniel Matt that he quotes the, after de Leon died, the author, the person who scholars believe wrote the Zohar, um, there was a guy from Israel who was like going all around Spain trying to find out where this because he'd heard of this book that was reportedly from Israel, but he had never he'd studied in Israel his whole life, never heard of it. So he goes to Spain. <laughs> he meets De Leon. De Leon says, "Come to my meet me at my house on such and such a day, and I'll I'll show you the original manuscript." So the guy's all excited. Well, De Leon dies on the journey, and, the, and so this guy finally goes and gets hold of his wife, his widow, De Leon's widow. And this is what the widow says. Um, 
Thus and more may God do to me if my husband ever possessed such a book. He wrote it entirely from his own head. When I saw him writing with nothing in front of him, I said to him, why do you say that you're copying from a book when there is no book? You are writing from your head. Wouldn't it be better to say so? Um, you would have more honor. He answered me. If I told them my secret that I'm writing from my own mind, they would pay no attention to my words. They would pay nothing for them. They would say he's inventing them out of his own imagination. But now, uh, now that they hear that I'm copying from the book of Zohar, composed by Rabbi Shimon, son of Yochai, through the Holy Spirit, they buy these words at a high price, as you see with your very eyes. So that's a that's a, a supposedly what this guy heard from the widow of De Leon. So um, early on, you had in the Jewish community, you had people who believed that this was these were ancient texts just now becoming to light, um, and then you had people that believed it was all a fabrication and that people were getting hood uh, wash, what do you call it? You know, Hoodwinked. They, yeah, they're, getting, they're, buying all the, they're buying these books. Um, and Now, of course, this is before the printing press, so these are like handwritten things. Um, yeah, and, and that's, the, that's just one data point. The other data point is the Aramaic that is, that is full of invented words. It's not the Aramaic of the Gemara. It's built from it, but it, it has Spanish words mixed in. Um, and, you know, and Shimon Bar Yochai, all his traditions are Hebrew that from, any, from the early rabbinic material. So there's just so many problems with the claim. But in any event, I, I was thinking about truth. I was thinking about this person saying that I, my comments of the Zohar were reflected ignorance. Um, and I'm like, okay, how important is truth? Here we are. Paul reminds us that the unleavened bread, that we're to be, that we're to be the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Does truth matter? Does history matter? There were several anachronisms in that book, Kosher Pig, that I demonstrate in, that, in, that, uh, in my critique. And what it does, it causes a person to, the, if a person doesn't understand that, if they don't have that framework of understanding chronology and history, they're going to just believe a bunch of lies. They're going to they're gonna have a, a picture that is not true, and they're going to cling to it. I'm glad you said that. And before we go on, because I, now I'm going to take this idea of the truth and what you just all of what you just said, and I'm going to wrap this into uh, the clips that we have. But what, what I want to do first is I want to look at some of what John says. So John really globs on in the Gospels. He's the, the only Gospel writer that really globs on to the truth. He uses it as if people know what the truth is as opposed to just telling falsehood as opposed to telling facts, Okay. John 1.17, for the Torah was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Yeshua the Messiah. Um, you have sent to John, this is uh, John 5.33, you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. And you will know the truth, this is 8.32, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Uh uh, Amen. Hang Amen. on just a sec. I got a couple more here. But because I speak the truth, 845, be, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe. 
Yeshua said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Um, and These, the truth is something that Yeshua's, Yeshua himself gave his life, and he was not going to back down from the truth. The disciples, even the first epistle of John, remember when he's like, our, our eyes have seen, our ears are, have heard, our hands have handled. In other words, they're testifying. There's like, I'm putting my life on the line for what I'm saying is true. I'm a witness. I, you could call me into a courtroom, and I will tell you what well, I am saying. I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I would go even farther and say the truth is Yeshua. In 1526, it says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. Of course, the article's there because it's this, anyway, he will testify about me. So the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Exactly, exactly. So Yeshua's our anchor. Exactly. He's he's our orientation to reality. He's our, any, any life that we have that will last into the world to come, comes from and through Yeshua. It, that that's and it's who he really is. And I know and, I know I know some people I know some people think that we're probably beating a dead horse here because we're going to talk about Shapira's book Return of the Kosher Bake again and we've talked about this probably five or six times on our show. Uh, however, what I'm trying to say is that Shapira puts his book out there as if he's talking about the truth. He's talking about Yeshua, as if he's talking about the true Messiah Yeshua. However, what I'm saying is, is that what the Messiah that and the Yeshua that Shapira puts forth in his book is a false truth. It is not. It is not what we find in the scriptures, and so he is he is swindling a false gospel to the people who are willing to listen. Now, do we find this in other in other aspects of messianic? And, and actually, one of the reasons. Okay, so. Um, I don't know if we should read this uh, this quote from Changing the Immutable now. Let's, you, you know what? Yeah, let's. Let, okay. let, let me. Can I give this a? Can I give a little intro? Please, to this? please. Do. This is a, a really good book. It is. Uh, I think it's came out this year, if I remember. Oh, 2015. Our audience can't see it, but both both Rob and I are are holding the exact same it's book. It's called. Uh, it's by Mark, M A R C B Shapiro, with not Shapira with an A, but Shapiro. Changing the immutable. And it's the subtitle is How Orthodox Judaism Rewrites Its History. Um, I believe that Dr. Shapiro is, in fact, a practicing Orthodox Jew. Um, he teaches at, uh, he is uh, Harry and Jeanette Weinberg, Chair of Judaic Studies at University of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He's a graduate of Brandeis and Harvard Universities. Okay, I've got a couple of his books, as a matter of fact. But um, Dr. Shapiro goes through example of example of how in the orthodox jewish world history gets rewritten um usually there will be some um some kind of well here's one of the examples is where they'll take a picture of a of a rabbi who's considered a an orthodox authority um and but let's say they weren't wearing a kippah and then they'll paint a kippah uh, on, on, you know, like, and they do it, do it here, here's an example, you know, they have, they, and so he shows that this is, why? Because they want to, they want to protect, they want to project a very specific from, you know what I mean? A, a from, they, they have pictures of Schneerson, the same thing, 
Schneerson in his youth, they, someone got a picture of him like when he wasn't wearing a kippah, and so they, they, what they do is they go they and paint it on. Paint it a, yeah, and they reprint the photograph with a painted uh, kippah. But at the very end, he, it's, 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 a, it's not an easy read. I mean, it's, it's very dense, well-researched. I, 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 love how, I love how fast you read. Yesterday, Rob says to me, he says, oh, yeah, you should read the last chapter and then this page. I look at the last chapter. The last chapter is 52 pages long. How fast do you, 52 pages? It would take me a day to read 52 pages. Well, I was saying you could skim it. <laughs> yeah, I, skim I, it. I, I, I don't know what this skimming anything is. Okay, anyway, but what he does here, <laughs> he, uh, you know, Dr. Shapiro does get into, like, uh, Jacob Emden, who lived in the 1700s, about the problematic the Zohar, he gets into so you have an orthodox halakhic authority who says the Zohar is um, not does not go all the way back to the second century that it's a you know and but here the very end of the book he's got a section called redefining truth and he uh, Doctor Shapiro cites uh, a very popular uh, Jewish scholar uh, a teacher of in the Musar movement which is Jewish ethics. Um, and, and the argument that Rabbi Dressler here, or Dessler gives is that truth must carry some positive result. Okay, wait, Since hang on just a second. Truth- I want to I go back even farther. One should bear okay. these, you should start with one should bear these points in mind when examining those who offer an alternative perspective on the meaning and significance of truth. I've already mentioned Rabbi Elijah Dessler in this regard in chapter one, but it bears repeating here. In an essay titled, What is Truth and What is Falsehood? Dessler, a famed Musar teacher, adopts a utilitarian approach to the entire concept of truth. As he sees it, truth as a value must carry some positive result, since truth is by definition a positive quality. Go ahead, keep reading, Rob. Right, right. Uh, Therefore, truth, as understood by the sages, capital S, means that which leads to a good result. So in other words, they're not necessarily, when they speak of truth, they're not speaking of factual or historical truth. Rather, according to Dessler, truth is not dependent upon empirical observation and evidence, but derives from religious considerations. Thus, a historically accurate description that leads to a bad result is, from a religious perspective, false. By the same token, that which helps lead people to do God's will, even if it is factually false, is nevertheless to be regarded as truth. Yeah. In other words, so, in a, and, and, this is, and this is actually a great question to ask, because what we get into with the Messianic and the Hebrew Roots movement is exactly what, is exactly what, what he's talking about here. Is it okay to lie? As long as it brings people to a truth. And the Aleph Tav teaching is a perfect example of this. If I can show you in Genesis that Aleph and Tav, the sign of the direct object, et, is really talking about Yeshua, which is false. That's, that's false. But if I say that, and then I sprinkle it all throughout the scriptures to be able to give you a good message. Everywhere you see an Aleph and a Tav. Yeah, that means Yeshua. Yeah. Uh, then, then does that you know? Then I is it okay that I'm lying because I'm well, still because, bringing you truth? Well, there's a positive religious benefit. Or another example was the the quote you played a couple of weeks ago, Caleb, about the preacher 
who's talking about the acronym of, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, up on the cross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying it's yod heh vav and, and you hear all these people, amen, and they're, they're like saying preach it and all this kind of stuff. So there's a, pos- there's a, a falsity, a falsehood, being told with a positive religious result. Therefore, is that acceptable? Okay, wait, hang on just a sec, Rob. Let's stop right there because I actually pulled an example for you. Here is an example. Now, you're going to think this is going one direction. This is going a different direction, okay? And uh, I almost named – I be, now, this it might not be this clip. I almost named this show The Hoff Goes Off because I got so many clips that is going to send Rob into quite a tizzy. Um, okay, so th- speaking of truth, is it okay to bend truth to get a positive result? Let's listen to this clip. Have you ever wondered what it is really like to follow the Messiah? How would you like to know how he felt about the Word of God? How he felt when others would not keep it? How would you like to know exactly how he walked so that you may know how to do the same? Yeshua declared the following, Revelation chapter 1. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. The Alpha and the Omega is simply a Greek way of saying the Aleph and the Tav in the Hebrew. In this rather short teaching, we would like to explain something that really defines what it means to be the Aleph and the Tav, something that exposes and reveals the very nature and character of our Messiah, who he was as the living, walking Word of God. Some wonder why we formed a ministry called 119 Ministries. Why did we choose that name? Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all the Bible, and we feel it is the best description of who the Messiah was and is and who he wants us to be, how he wants us to feel, and how we are to follow our Father like he did. Psalm 119 is unique in such a way that each stanza begins with a Hebraic letter of the Hebraic alphabet. That's important. You can see this revealed in most Bibles and online Bibles. It starts with an aleph and ends with a tav. Psalm 119 is the Aleph, and the Tav. Or in the Greek, the Alpha and the Omega, in the Greek Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. When Yeshua said that he is the Alpha and the Omega, or the Aleph and Tav, he was literally saying that he is Psalm 119. (laughs) Oh, yes! Did I find a new one or what? Oh Oh my goodness! If I I should know, I should get. I would have known that we would have never even. I mean, I should. I I should get a prize for finding good clips. So okay, there we go. Eric Russell in the chat room said, "I'm a uh, a music producer. Give me some a jingle, a fun jingle for when I find like the greatest clip of the month or something." You know what a month? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, anyway, and now, first of all, the problem is, is that Psalm 119 is not the only passage that has it, that has an ABCDRE in the, you know, every verse right, starts not with not at it. all. The Book of Lamentations. <laughs> Proverbs 31. The, Proverbs 31. Many other psalms. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> weird? Yeah, but... Well, but... I, didn't know, I didn't know that was Psalm 119 Ministries. <laughs> was that? I, I didn't It's brand new. That's, they... the, that's their newest teaching. So... Uh, Seriously? Yeah. I thought, and I it's did. only three minutes and thirty seconds long, and it's. I like it. We're going to reveal to you. Yes, of course. Those guys. I'm sorry. Those guys are idiots. 
I'm, I'm just gonna say they're idiots. <laughs> wow! Woo! Wow! Uh, now, 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 hang on, just a sec. Now, I have to rebuke here, Rob. Let's not use ad hominem arguments. Attack the theology, not the person. Come on. They are fools, biblical fools. Who have ri- they, they will not receive instruction. I had back and forth email with the guy. He would not answer my question. And oh, they have associated with foolishness. And they're teaching foolishness. So I'm guessing that, uh, <laughs> man, I can't play the Hoff Goes Off music yet. You have no clue what I got in store for you today. Let's hear more. Let's hear more. <laughs> so I'm guessing, wait, hang on just a sec. Let's, let's, let's just back up for a second. So I'm guessing that what you're saying is that it's not okay, as uh, the Orthodox Jews have, have asserted, to, to speak untruth in order to, uh, to, to get people to truth. I, I don't see. I don't think Scripture gives us any precedence for that. We don't have. Do we have an example of Yeshua behaving that way? <laughs> Mark. So, so Yeshua was self-identifying as Psalm one nineteen. Woo! It's like uh, wink, wink. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Um, well, so I want to go back. I want to bring our audience back to uh, the idea that that messianics within the uh, within the messianic hebrew roots and even the christian realm there are they speaking truth now before we go on rob i want you to give a quick rundown of basically what you what you uh your hypothesis within or your conclusion within your review of itzhak shapiro's return to the kosher pig which just came out by the way last week you can find it on torresource.com under the english articles page it is on the top uh, you can also find it. We put a link on the Robin Caleb Show Facebook page this morning. And if you're in the chat room, I put it in the chat room somewhere as well. You're going to have to go up and find it, though. So, what, what's your question specifically? Okay, so basically, uh, for those Just to who, recap, yeah, so, so for those who might not have heard uh, or read your article, which everyone should do, uh, your review of uh, Return of the Kosher Pig. Uh, what do you think? Uh, was was it a dynamite book that everyone should read? No, people should avoid it like poison. <laughs> Tell me, tell me what you really feel, there, Rob. There, there's no, there's no benefit. <laughs> uh, there's no, I, I don't see any benefit to reading that book. I, I, I think that you know, there's endorsers like Dr. Michael Brown that have to, that they need to come out and say why they defend this, the contents of this book, against teachings like you know Paul to Titus. You know that I quote in there. I, I think that people need to recognize that truth. We have to get our truth from the scriptures, not to go to like the Zohar or Hasidic rabbis and say, "Okay, they have the they have the truth here, and I'm going to use that truth to better understand what the gospel is saying." No, that's um, yeah. We're just not going to do that. This idea that you're not that you're going to have a skewed picture, you're going to misunderstand the Gospels, unless you read it through Kabbalah, which developed in the 16th century. Okay, like hang, hang, Isaac hang, hang on just a sec. Okay, before you keep going off, uh, <laughs> uh, our music producer in the, uh, in the chat room, who has now uh, claimed that he will make us jingles or something of that effect, uh, just sent me over something that he, that he wrote. Let's listen to it. All right, so that's... <laughs> that's uh, Beethoven. <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. Okay, 
Um, hang on just a sec. I accidentally got out of the chat room. Okay, keep going with your with your review. I apologize. I do apologize for interrupting you there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I. I. Uh... So basically, the, the one of my favorite parts, and and I want to mention this. One of my favorite parts is that you show some uh, interesting things within Shapiro's books, just factual, like blatant factual errors. One rabbi, he says he's in the first century. Then he says he's in the third century. So obviously this rabbi, according to Shapira, spans over, uh, what, a uh, hundred years, right? The, yeah, yeah. There's so many anachronisms where he's got the, the time wrong. Like, like he'll say one thing and then he, he, it's like he's not, he doesn't have a framework for understanding what he's doing. He's cutting and pasting and he's not thinking through. He's not digesting what he's actually studying. He's, he's just finding all these random sources, and then he uses this shotgun approach that, that the reader just goes, oh, wow. Are you saying, all, wait, hang on just a second. It's all man. Just a second, Rob. Are you saying that, that, uh, that, that Itzhak Shapiro is, is not educated as he would like people to, to, to think? No, no. Really? Really? Oh, well, I think, I think well hang he, on. His, his, his advantage is that he, apparently <sighs> Hebrew is his first language. I don't know what level of Hebrew. There's typos. There are all manner of Hebrew typos he, uh, in the book. I didn't even get into that. Um, there are um, his vocalizations when he transliterates it into English is like, wait a minute. That's, that's not right. I can give many examples of this. His, there's places where he quotes Aramaic, and then he claims to interpret the Aramaic, and it's wrong. So I don't even think he has studied Aramaic. Um, and why does this matter? Not because I think everybody has to study Aramaic, or everybody has to study Hebrew, but this guy's out there selling books. He's selling, he's peddling for profit. Wait, I, I just want to make sure that I understand what you're saying. So, so you would say that you think that he's not as educated as uh, some might think then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I want to ask you a really honest question, all right? In the Messianic Jewish movement, a Messianic congregational leader is normally called rabbi, not in Israel, but in the States and other countries. And many times the congregations have made the, maybe a lot of Gentiles because of the location of the city, maybe the, the Messianic Jewish leader is not really that well educated. Uh, you have the title Rabbi, Messianic Jewish Rabbi. Um, what would you say your credentials are? Because I, I'm looking at your book that I wrote an endorsement for. I'm looking at the degree that you get into rabbinic sources right up to this day. Uh, would you say that, that you would be qualified to be a rabbi in, in other Jewish settings as well? Have you done that amount of study, sir? In my case, my background is quite unique. Because for starter, uh, I was uh, really studying under my grandfather for an, uh, almost until uh, my teen years until he passed away, and he was uh, he was an ordained uh, ordained rabbi, and plus having uh, raised being raised in Israel in an uh, Orthodox environment, uh, they certainly certainly helped having the knowledge of the Hebrew language. Yep. I think at the end of the day, to answer the question, th this particular question is, is look at the at the work. Uh, I yes, don't sir. claim. Um, I don't claim, and this is actually something that is very unique. I don't claim to bring anything uh, out of my own. 
I present something that was thought of in the last 3,000 3, years, but I present it in such a way uh, that probably never been seen before uh, to the English reader. So I, I think the qualifications are uh, come at the end of the day through... Yeah, I believe they do, and, well, do and they? I wanted to put mm-hmm. it on the table. Not that you ever would boast about anything, because you, you live in this literature, you live with these sources, this is part of your background and, and your life, uh, but it's important to know that, because many people don't understand the depth of research that's been done, or they just they have a caricatured picture. Uh, look, for years I had to overcome this notion, well, you Jews who believe in Jesus, you don't know anything because that was the popular conception. Then people would say, okay, you've studied, you've done your homework. You've done your homework here, and, and you've put the evidence together. Now people can judge it for themselves. Okay, so... Uh, I am my- so disappointed in Dr. <laughs> Brown. I wonder if he actually read the book, the book. or if he just flipped through it. <clears throat> I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah, really it, disappointed it, in Dr. It, it, Brown. And yes, uh, someone in the chat room, uh, Adam says, so Shapira thinks he is qualified to claim yeshiva-level education without ever having gone to yeshiva. And the answer to that is yes. Well, that's just the beginning. Now, that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, i got to give reference here. That, of course, you can find this all in your show notes. That was from Dr. Brown's radio show, The Line of Fire, Itzhak Shapira. When was that? Uh, that was, uh, I believe that was August of 2014. Okay, so we are one of the feedback I got I, I, from a couple emails I got. People said thanks for the article. Um, one message that I got was that it's a little. They they think it might be a little too late. In other words, it would have been great had this review come out before. But I, on one hand, just to say, I wasn't even aware of the book until late yeah. last year or mid late last year, and then I never had read it until much later, and then. I was holding off because I thought that you were going to actually talk with Dr. Brown. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to post. I don't want to put anything out there because let, Caleb's got this handled. So there is, but still, you know, there's people I think had it way even back in 2013, maybe even earlier. So we, we recognize the book's been out a while. But, but you know, for some reason, now's the time that we're talking about it. And we're hoping that our message gets out to people who've been influenced by, by that book to help them uh, kind of, let go a little bit of, of uh, hopefully, you know, step back away from it. Step away. <laughs> step off. Okay, so um, uh, hang on. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my shot list here. I don't know which direction to go. Should we stick with Dr. Brown? Let's go. Uh, let's go to a different. Uh, so first of all, we should say that Dr. Brown has his has his doctorate in Near Eastern languages. So he's not a, sh- a slouch when it comes to uh, biblical study in that respect. Now, I certainly disagree with. Obviously, uh, those who know me know I'm a, uh, a five point Calvinist, um, and so uh, Dr. Brown is. And I say five point Calvinist in regard to predestination, uh, to the sovereignty of God, I should say. Uh, obviously, I disagree with Calvin on, on other issues, uh, especially when uh, people try to say that he was uh, uh, anti-Semitic. Uh, I believe that there is claim for, to say that he made uh, significant anti-Semitic uh, uh, statements, so obviously I'm not going to endorse Calvin completely. Um, however, Dr. Brown is an Arminian, and uh, believe, uh, holds the free will, so we disagree on that. We disagree on other things as well. Uh, so there's that. However, we do agree on on many issues. Uh, so I want to move, though, from Dr. Brown, because we'll come back to Dr. Brown in a little while. 
Uh, and the reason why is because Dr. Brown's endorsement, I mean, his endorsement is literally in the beginning of the book. It's one of the first things you read. And not only that, but uh, his uh, on Shapiro's website, Dr. Brown's face, along with other people, uh, people from the MJAA and the IAMCS. By the way, I looked on uh, – now, this might not mean anything. However, I looked on the IAMCS uh, website on teachers who have been ordained by them. Shapira's name has been removed from there. Um, whether or not it was removed or just never appeared there, uh, I don't know. However, uh, I find it odd that on the, on who they've ordained as uh, with rabbinic ordination from the IAMCS – Shapira so yeah, is no longer listening. Uh, yeah. Any of our listeners out there, contact them, find out, ask about Shapira's. Uh, has his ordination been pulled? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not accusing. I'm just. Uh, I find it interesting that his name is not listed there. Anyway, okay. So let's go to now. This is another group that I contacted. Oh, you, I should also say before we turn from Dr. Brown, I sent a link to my uh, a PDF. To Dr. Brown's website explaining, you know, what it was. I haven't heard back. I don't know if he, how often he checks that kind of thing, but uh, we'll see. I don't know if he's aware of the review. Well, we'll come back to Dr. Brown okay. here in uh, not too long. However, I do want to say that, okay, let me get to my show notes here. Okay, so I have this. I contact, now everybody knows uh, Jonathan Bernice is big in the, in the Messianic movement. He's been ordained by the IAMCS. He is a uh, a leader of, of uh, well, he leads the charge, I would say, in uh, the MJAA for a lot of different things. He's one of their key speakers many times. And he has a television show, which is one reason that he's so well known. The television show is called Jewish Voice. I contacted Jewish Voice once I saw, this was months ago, once I saw that they had an interview with Itzhak Shapira. And uh, Jonathan Bernice uh, seems, it seemed like they were talking about uh, how wonderful this book, uh, uh, Return of the Kosher Pig, was. And, of course, I said, well, this, uh, you know, th- this book teaches a false gospel. Here is the response. Now, this, now I couldn't find the original response, but this was, uh, I think, two emails in. Uh, this from Jewish Voice in an email to me. Uh, Shalom, Caleb, thank you for emailing me directly and for including both the exchanges you had with Rabbi Shapira and Rabbi Hezkel. And uh, so I had sent him some uh, exchanges with with those uh, with people. Anyway, certainly all of your, uh, you are passionate men. That's a way of saying you're mean to each other. And I have no doubt of the great love each of you has for the Lord. I'm now writing to provide you with answers to your questions regarding your, your our ministry's involvement with Rabbi Shapira and his book, The Return of the Kosher Pig. Part of my answer is one you already received when Aaron uh, from Jewish Voice initially responded to you. And he's going to basically repeat what this man said. This is why I'm reading this email. Having worked in television broadcasting prior to going into ministry, I can tell you it's quite common for TV shows that engage in conversation with a variety of guests to issue disclaimers that, as Aaron said, views and beliefs expressed by a particular guest may not necessarily be the views and beliefs of Jewish Voice Ministries. Your feeling is that whether a disclaimer is issued or not, believers in Messiah will nonetheless think Rabbi Shapira is someone to check out and follow, and therefore we are even 
uh, unintentionally ass- assisting in promoting a false gospel. He goes on and tells me why uh, we should always look at various sources and all these kind of things. Uh, but however, this is not exactly what I had said in my email. What I had said is that uh, Jewish Voice, even though they might have a disclaimer, uh, they straight up come out and basically say this is one of the greatest books they've ever read. Let's listen to some of what... Uh, let's see here. I want to make sure... Spears, uh, uh, let's hear what Jewish Voice has to say about what their goal is. Jewish Voice is dedicated to proclaiming the gospel, the good news that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah, to the Jew first and also to the nations. One way we do this is by helping some of the most impoverished and needy Jewish people in the world. Even more important than the physical relief our medical help provides is the opportunity to share God's love through the good news of Yeshua. So God's love through the good news of Yeshua. This exact same ad, I just cut a little bit out. This exact same ad then goes on to say this. Every gift, large or small, will make a difference in someone's life. As you respond with a gift of $40 or more, we will send you Rabbi Itzhak Shapira's book, The Return of the Kosher Pig. (laughs) This fascinating book is groundbreaking. It uncovers Hebrew scriptures and ancient Jewish literature, rarely seen, and some in English for the first time, that reveal the divine Messiah and prove that Jesus, Yeshua, fulfilled the first century expectation. Discover... Fresh new insights and information that help answer the age-old argument about the identity of the Messiah. A unique interpretation of the divine nature of the Messiah. One that is consistent with ancient Jewish thought. And you'll gain a better understanding of who Jesus is from a traditional first century Jewish perspective. <laughs> Man! Okay, I'm so on, it's, I'm on it's, fire today. I'm on fire. So wait a minute. Okay, so if we go to Rabbi Dessler, the Musar uh, rabbi, it says that even if it's a lie, if it has a if it has a good result, it's truth because it, because truth is positive religious result. So it seems that, that there's a, all sorts of positive religious results there. Uh, hang on. Did you hear what they said? They said first century, first century, first century understanding. Uh, and actually, you know where they get this from? It's Ak Shapira. What I have done is throughout this process, not only dialogue with hundreds, may, maybe even thousands of, of observant Jewish people, but really going back to the sources of Judaism. Going back, there's so much literature that was written in the first century, second century, uh, even before the Talmud, the, the Talmud, and, and then going to the Talmud, and then upon the Talmud, so much was written. <laughs> uh, little 25-second clip there for you. So, I that would still the interview with Dr. Brown? It's yeah, and, and I would like to, I would like to, uh, uh, I would like to know what, what literature was written in the first century that he's referring to. And then I would please like him to produce any manuscripts that would prove that we have first century yeah, literature. He's, he's not trained. He's not trained in it. He, he lives in the romantic world, but he doesn't have feet on the ground. He's an imagination, and he's, he's never been in a situation of academic rigor. He's never had to. Um, there are some places where he's misciting a source, he miscites <clears throat> sources. I, 
these are things that I didn't put in the review, but I could anytime. I, I'll oh wait, down. hang on. There's more. There's more. There's there's more. Um, so uh, now maybe Jewish Voice would come out and say to us, well, you know, we 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 were willing to to send the book to people uh, for the donations over forty dollars because even though we might disagree with it, you know, we might not agree with everything in it. Uh, that you know, that doesn't mean people shouldn't read it. You know, you read books all the time that you disagree with. You read Return of the Kosher Pig, right? Okay. So, but my point is, is that Jonathan Bernice, or Bernice, I guess it is. Jonathan, I always mispronounce his name, and I apologize to Mr. Bernice for that. Uh, Jonathan Bernice, uh, on his show, seems to steer his audience in a very specific way. Let's listen to how he describes uh, the uh, this this book and, and Itzhak Shapiro's work. I'm back with a fascinating guest, Rabbi Itzhak Shapiro, who recently wrote a new book. It's called The Return of the Kosher Pig. The name of the book, although attention-getting, is not a gimmick. It represents an important Jewish topic. I think it is attention-getting, The Return of the Kosher Pig yeah. still. So this is really a fascinating book. I've been in the Messianic Jewish movement 30 years, and I've never seen anything like this. So the book examines the nature of the Messiah through traditional Jewish views. And, and you say that when, as you researched yeah. traditional Jewish literature yeah. and dug back 1,500 years, 1,600 More years, 2,000 years, yes. you discovered that the idea of a divine Messiah was part of traditional Jewish thought. What's so fascinating about this is that that's been removed today. Yes. from Judaism, uh, likely because of the Middle Ages and all the disputations with Christianity yeah. yes. and trying to keep conversion from happening. But take us back in time. It sounds uh, like, to me, like he's uh, giving a pretty strong endorsement. However, that's not all that he says. In fact, he goes on. Scratching the surface, yeah, there is scratching. so much in this yeah. book. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. And to learn the rest of the case, you, you just have to <laughs> read the book. I want to congratulate just you. Just read the book. This is an amazing piece of work. And if you have any oh interest at all in digging back through history and understanding who Jesus really was, Yeshua, the divine Messiah of Israel. Under, hang on just a second. We got to go back here. Understanding who Yeshua, Jesus really was. So is Jonathan Pernice then saying that we all need to understand that Yeshua is Metatron? As the book clearly says, Yeshua equals Metatron equals Sarhapanim. Uh, so let's listen to that again. And understanding who Jesus really was, Yeshua, the divine Messiah of Israel, this book is like nothing else you've ever read. The return of the kosher pig. Is, That's it's right. It's nothing the most... like the gospel. <laughs> If you've read the gospel, boom. You've read this, you'll see it's nothing like it. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, unique these guys are. Th th this shows you. This is an example of how that the people go after their itching ears. The tickling ears thing, you know? This is, this is a, an index of, uh, this is a sign of the times, to quote Prince. <laughs> it's groundbreaking, and I don't so, say that lightly. And oh. it provides solid evidence that Yeshua, Jesus, is the divine Messiah promised through the ancient Jewish prophets. Amazing book. We'll be right back. Here's the other thing. Here's the other problem. A lot of the things he points out are being taught in Chabad to point to a different person. <laughs> He's just saying, oh, they got the wrong guy. <laughs> so it, 
Yeah. There's just uh Okay, what else you got? Um, hang on just a second. I'm looking for a specific email from someone. My. Um, hang on. I'm looking uh, here. Okay. Uh, for our listening audience so that you don't have to endure just silence. Okay, I found it. Here it is. So, <laughs> Dr. Michael Brown writes to me after I share my concerns with him. Hey, Caleb, thanks for sharing your concerns. Actually, I more understand his point, and this is the point on Yeshua being Metatron. His point to be that in, in Judaism, what people are claiming Metatron is, the most highly exalted angel who bears yod heh vav name, is really Yeshua. Perhaps I misunderstood his point, having not read it carefully enough. In any case, my endorsement was not a blanket agreement of everything in the book, but rather a call to examine the evidence since the deity of Yeshua is considered, wrongly of course, to be our uh, Achilles heel by the traditional Jewish community. I wanted to challenge people to read and examine, but I understand that my blurb could carry more weight than that which was not my intent. So he's saying, no, I'm and just... the prayer that Shapira quotes has has this name Yeshua in it, Yeshua Metatron. He's saying, yeah, that's, that's Yeshua. They're praying to Yeshua. They don't even know it. Yeah, um, I mean, but it's, but it's but not... hang on. So what what uh, what Doctor Brown says in this email is, I'm not telling people that they they uh, you know that I agree with everything. What I'm saying is rather that uh, that uh, people should read the book. Let's listen to Dr. Brown's endorsement on his radio show exactly of what uh, he said. I'm, I'm holding in my hands a fascinating book, The Return of the Kosher Pig, by Messianic Jewish Rabbi Itzhak Shapira. Uh, it's about a 330-page paperback, but because it was so complex to typeset, to, to lay out the amount of Hebrew and translation in it. It's, it's a $40 paperback. It's a very, very rich book to read through. Uh, you can get it today. The book will pay the postage on it and will include free the CDs of the two-hour interview with the author of this book. You can get the book, and we'll give you with it the CDs for today's interview, and also we'll pay the postage on the book. And I, I want to strongly encourage my Jewish friends listening who do not agree, rabbis, counter-missionaries, and others who do not agree, to get the book and to go through it. And if you believe something is inaccurate, if you believe something is falsely interpreted, then let's have dialogue about it. And perhaps I can bring my yes, guest Dr. back Brown, to dialogue with you oh. about it because I know he has carefully researched these things for many many years now it sounds like a pretty strong endorsement to me and by the way we have talked to dr brown uh and uh he has contacted itzhak shapira about dialoguing with us on this and uh of course shapira will not do that uh, i'm convinced that he never will because he knows he doesn't have a leg to stand on well and, and dr dr brown's Dr. Brown Contact. is cer yeah, he's certainly not willing to talk to us about it. Send Dr. Brown I just send all our listeners out there who are who care about this. Would you just take the link from the torahresource.com and email it if you have if you're in Facebook friends with Dr. Brown or you know someone who is part of his ministry team. We'd like to get his reply. <laughs> uh, he he has not he he 
like Caleb just played this clip where he's saying he wants to have dialogue about it for from those who disagree, even his words, not oh, ours. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I have another one for you. I have another one for you here, here Rob. The idea is we've, I've, I sent it the link. If other people could, let's get him to reply to one, a person who disagrees and who has read the book very carefully and has published a, a criticism of the book. Um, we'd like to hear Dr. Brown uh, respond. Yes, respond. we would. Uh, but, you know, there's more. Friends, sure. this, is a, this is a fascinating book. It's, it's one that you'll dig into and study really for months, if not for years. And those who differ, uh, Rabbi Shapira invites your comments and concerns because he did not put these things together lightly. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm sure okay. that Do- I'm sure that Dr. Brown probably thinks that uh, that 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 what he just said is true. However, I think he's well-intentioned. I, I, I'm, I'm not. I, Shapiro is certainly not willing to dialogue about it. I believe <clears throat> that Dr. Brown is, is well-intentioned here. I have to I have to believe that he did not carefully read the book. Yep. I, that's the only way I can make sense of who I uphold Dr. Brown to be as, as an academic and the rigor that he's demonstrated not only to finish his Ph.D. at NYU, but to go on and publish the Answering Jewish Objections series, which shows very clear and careful thought and interaction with rabbinic literature. That's why I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked at this. Uh, and I don't understand it. And the, my only... Uh, solace is the is the belief that he didn't really carefully read it, and then, um, and then when I hear that the email he sent to you, Caleb, that he says, you know, maybe he was a little bit, uh, maybe his endorsement could be overread and have more weight than he had intended. I'm, I want to look at Dr. Brown in a favorable light, and that's the only way I'm able to do that right now, um, because I'm shocked. Yeah. Well, um, here's one. Uh, this is what I think Shapiro might actually say, is that this isn't his view. He, his book doesn't put forth his view. Let's listen to it's what It's just what's there. It's just what's true. Yeah, let's, let's listen to what, what, what uh, he has to say. meat of the book, uh, we, we bring, bring forth five, five primary, uh, I call them primary pieces of evidence in, in the case of the return of the kosher pig, and then we have another section uh, that deal with secondary resources. Again, all of this done uh, within Judaism. You, you're not going to read in the book, I don't think even once, me saying, I feel, I believe, I think. I try to leave my biasness out of this and, uh, instead mm-hmm. of saying, they feel, they believe, they say. And because I want to work within framework of Judaism. And, and then lastly, in every good case, there has to be reconciliation. This is uh, a book of reconciliation between the Messianic faith and those who follow Jews, Jews and Christians, those who follow uh, Yeshua as the Jewish Messiah, and the Messiah of the world, to normative Judaism. So the, in the very last piece in the book, the, the, we bring forward the reconciliation. So, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so basically, I what I'm hearing him say is that what well, I, I don't understand. Like, so we need to say that Yeshua and Metatron are one and the same, so that we can all reconcile. Is that is that what's going on in the book? You you can't have the Gospels as sacred text 
and the Zohar as sacred texts, and the Talmud as sacred texts, and say that they're all the words of the living God. You can't, you, you can't do that, uh, because it's like trying to serve two masters. Uh, no, 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 no. Rob, I think what's happening is, is that you're just not looking at things. Since you're a Gentile, you're just looking at things from Greek eyes, not Hebraic eyes. I want to say, too, one of the purposes of this program is to help restore the Jewish roots of the faith, the Hebraic yeah. roots of the faith. And you represent someone that's looking at Scripture through Hebraic eyes. Yes. <laughs> you know, we need a song. We need a Weird, a weird Al song that's like <laughs> Hebraic eyes. <laughs> looking <laughs> at the world through Hebraic eyes. Uh, well, we put a lot. We put a lot on our producer on our music producer's plate for the for the for the, for the next week. Okay. So back to truth. Back to our. Okay, so this is Chag Hamatzot. We eat unleavened bread, like we started our our program today. We read from First Corinthians five, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm-hmm. Truth. We want to say that truth matters. History matters. Truth is Yeshua. And the testimonies, it, it, the truth in the apostolic writings is testimonies about who Yeshua is that the apostles took to the world and they wrote about in their letters. And truth, also we saw, is just the facts as they happened. Like the, the woman in Mark 5 that, you, that reached out, touched Yeshua, he stopped, and she, she, the woman, even though she was scared, she didn't know what would happen. This was her, he was her only hope. She says, I'm going to tell him the whole truth. And Yeshua... Yeshua said, your, your sins are forgiven you. And not only that, we have the word truthful, like in another instance between a woman and Yeshua is John chapter 4, the woman at the well, Samaritan woman, who it was a scandal even for a Jewish man to be alone with a woman, not his wife, let alone a Samaritan woman. Well, he says, go get your husband. She says, I have no husband. He says, what you've said is the truth. You've, what you have said is you have truthfully said this. And he goes on to say that the Heavenly Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And the idea is that the truth has to do with the confession of what is true. It's confession of sin, what is true. Right? If, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. In other words, truth is God's perspective of what is of, of reality. And, and that's what we need to be concerned with. And my argument is that if people learn to think and, and think that the ways that this book, The Kosher Pig, is teaching people to think about how to really see the true Yeshua, um, they're not gonna, they don't arrive at the truth. They're not going to arrive at the truth. They're going to arrive at uh, a worldview that is fortified with medieval Kabbalah, not first century, not first century. And Shapira doesn't recognize that, and that's that's due, part of it is, is he just doesn't have the, the education. Now he would probably he would probably freak out and get angry because like how dare a, a non-Jewish you know a Gentile uh, American tell a Jewish Israeli whose grandfather was an ordained rabbi that he has no education? I would be the one who has no education. Uh, so that's why I say we're we're comparing with Scripture. Look at the scriptures, read my review, 
look, you, I think the onus is on Shapira and Dr. Brown and others to tell why Paul's warning to Titus does not apply to the kosher pig. Well, Rob, I think honestly what's going on is you're just being mean. Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. Okay, I got I got one more clip for you here. Now, this I love this. You pull this clip from page eight from his, or you pull this uh, quote from page eight from his book, and then you rip it apart, of course. Uh, in point three in uh, in your uh, in your review on page, at the top of page four, you say, "quote quoting Shapira, it says, I knew that if the Messiah was not recognizable to the Jews as the great Edmore, he could not possibly be the Messiah of anyone." And then you go on. So basically, what I hear him saying is if they can't recognize – what I hear Shapira saying is if they can't recognize him from the rabbinic writings, then they won't recognize him. However, listen to how Shapira came to uh, faith in the Messiah Yeshua. So I was thinking to myself, I got to find out about this guy. I turned every stone – starting with our own Tanakh, which I thought I knew, going to our Jewish writings, okay, to find out what our people, I could care less what any Christian would tell me about the Messiah, what our people thought about the Messiah, okay? And that's where I found the true identity of the Jewish Mashiach. Okay, so he says that he went to the Jewish writings, but the first thing he says is, I went to the Tanakh. Where did he find the Messiah? In the Bible, if you hear his testimony, which is all over the internet, if you hear his testimony, he was given a copy of the apostolic scriptures in Hebrew. That's what he wrote, or what that's what he read, and that's how he came to faith in the Messiah Yeshua. I don't understand why he thinks that it's a the gospel the whole- is simple. Yeah, back to the uh, back to unleavened bread, sincerity and truth. The gospel message is simple. It can be in any language, right? It, it it can be the basic message is translatable into any mess any language. Um, the Ruach Hakodesh will work through that simple story that that uh, exemplifies Yeshua as the truth, as the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need Lurianic cosmology. You don't need the shattering of the vessels and the gathering of sparks and all this kind of stuff in a Jewish soul and all these kinds of things that come from later rabbinic thought that is in a that is in uh, inter- interaction with the gospel message but has rejected it what shapira seems to think is that the rabbinic writings of the talmud and the middle ages the zohar and so on somehow reflect some sort of authentic jewish thought that goes all the way back uh, and that we need to understand the gospel uh, secondarily to that stream of thought, and that's anachronism, and that's not letting the first-century Jewish texts we have, which were written in Greek, in Jewish Greek, by Jews that grew up in Israel, that lived with Yeshua, followed him, saw him, and fellowshiped with him post-resurrection, and went to the world and through the world, and saw God do mighty wonders by the power of the Ruach Hakodesh. Um, that's the testimony we want to study. That's the testimony we want to to be our our uh, nourishment for our souls, for our for our new creation 
life that we have in Messiah. That's our food. If you, uh, if you want to study the Talmud, if you want to study the Zohar, that's fine. But recognize that's not your food for your soul. Don't, don't uh, do it to make the mistake that Shapira does here and, and, and uh, gives people, I think he steers people in the wrong direction. I really, I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess the point that I'm trying to make in all this is, is look, I, Rob and I will both tell you, you can test what we're, what we're saying on this show. You can, you can, uh, you know, we have people that write in every single week and tell us that we're total morons. Um, and that's totally fine. You can disagree with us. Uh, and, and what I would say to that is show me in scripture, you know, show, you know, show me in scripture. Um, and, this is not, but but that's just it. This is not a uh, a a blanket statement to try to make it so that we can be wrong. It, as one nineteen ministries does, they get you know in their teachings they always say, well we can be wrong, and you know we're we're just showing you what we've studied. This might not be true, but you know so go study it for yourself. That's not how ministry works. People, yeah, ex- that's not that's where in the Bible does it say God equips the body of Messiah with people who who just, you know, study things out and teach it and then say, well, we don't know if this leads to a dead end or not, but here. And that's what these messianic and, and Christian leaders seem to be doing. You got Dr. Brown who's saying, oh, well, I'm just telling people to go read the book. I'm not necessarily endorsing everything in it. Oh, you got Jeff. Jonathan Burnus and, uh, and Jewish Voice saying, well, we put a disclaimer up beforehand saying that uh, we might not agree with everything. And then you got Jonathan Bernice and, uh, and, and Itzhak Shapiro sitting there patting each other on the back saying how wonderful uh, this book is and, and how, how everyone needs to read it. And, you can't, and you can't. Dr. Brown is actually selling it through his ministry. These guys are actually yeah. selling. So how many books did they – so that's on Dr. Brown. How many books did they distribute? And that's the point. Are they going to issue a retraction to all those people they ship books to and say, the, look, and that's this the, does not stand up to Scripture? Yeah. If not, that judgment comes on that house. I, I mean – I. We're doing, we're doing what we believe. They're doing what they believe. One nineteen ministries. It might not be true, but we're going to make a dramatic video intro so that you think it is. That's that's true. And now, hey, I know the guy over in their in their video uh, videography department. So uh, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But the and you know, I'm not saying those guys aren't good guys. Those guys have, might have a right heart. But this is the point. You can't just get get start a ministry. No, Caleb, a right heart is teachable. That's a true. right heart will accept it. Proverbs teaches us very clearly. It says a, a wise person is a person who will hear, listen, and increase in learning. And a wise person will accept correction, and they will love you for it. They will love you for it. Why? Because they value what is true. They value what is genuinely wise, and they see that that is where their treasure is, and they want to trade up. They want to trade up. They want to say, wow, I was wrong because I— I haven't seen that spirit in the 119 group. I'm hoping that we'll see it here with Dr. Brown. But uh, with Shapiro, when our, the, the initial feedback we gave here, what did he do? He turned to saying, you're not Jewish. How dare you? How, aren't you afraid of I'm a, ra- a rabbi? I'm a rabbi, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not even Jewish. You don't know what you're talking about. Your childish game. Someone said, oh, you're using your, your Fisher-Price you know, computer program or something. You know, it was like... I was like, wow, that's the substance that you have? 
That's the substance that we're talking about. That's a fool. It's a biblical fool. Well, what I'm all I'm all I'm trying to say here is that is that we the the teachers out there they need to take more seriously the idea that that people are structuring their spiritual lives around what they're saying. Even if you tell people you need to go look at this for yourself, they are they are literally making decisions about their their and their family's spiritual lives according to what you're saying. Right. And and you you don't you don't get a faith. But hang on just a sec. You don't get a free pass. You don't get a free pass to teach heresy just because you say because you put a disclaimer up before you before you say it's the greatest thing in the world. Oh, this might not be true. This might be heresy, uh, but it is the greatest thing in the world. So buy the book. So later on, they're like, "Well, like, you remember my disclaimer?" Yeah, exactly. I said it might not be true. It's not how it works, people. <laughs> it's just not how it works. I mean, and look. I'm not saying that people can't make mistakes. People make mistakes. I certainly have made mistakes before. I've had to. I've had to retract things on this very show. We all have. We all have. We, but, that, but, that, but that's just it. Is that is that Doctor Brown needs to come out on his show and say, "I pushed this book. I've looked into it. I've realized I should have read closer. This is heresy. This is not a true gospel." And I said it because Shapiro is my friend, and I apologize. Please reject the the and, theology. And I'll send you your book. money back. Yeah, exactly. I'll send you the money and donations that came in during that time. I will send back. Um, I, otherwise, you're otherwise. Okay, if you in rabbinic law, if you obtain, if if I sell you something, make cause and Caleb, I've sold something to you under the idea that it's true because you believe what I'm selling you is true but I but in fact it's a lie that's that I'm stealing from you that's theft if i if i if, if we have a transaction we have a business transaction and you're the consumer leave believing certain things about about what i sold you when in fact i have i don't i'm misrepresenting it like i don't know whether this car really has a good transmission or not but I'm not going to talk about the transmission. I'm going to talk about how shiny it is and it's air conditioning. Feel that air conditioning on these hot days, you know. That's we're getting into scary territory, you know. I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Okay. I wouldn't want to be in Dr. Brown's shoes. I would not want to be in Shapira's shoes. I would not want to be in this the other guy you're talking about uh, shoes. I wouldn't want to be in Psalm 119 Ministries shoes. I would not want to be in any of those guys any of those guys' shoes. Yeah, agreed. Okay, we've uh, we've we've talked enough on the subject. Uh, now we do have someone new in the chat room. Now this person has been a long time. We have this person has been a long time listener of the show. She has specifically told me many times that uh, that she is one of the thirty six. Um, however, I thought we should still welcome her to the chat room in true Rob and Caleb show fashion. So. We would like to welcome Janet Mullins from Tacoma, Washington, to the Robin Cable Show's listening audience. You are now one of the 36 coolest people on earth. Please consider yourself blessed. You've been blessed. That's right. 
If you know that you've turned somebody onto the show and or you get somebody to come into the chat room for the very first time, give us a name and a location and we will welcome them with a blessing. All right. I think that's final, it. That's all I thoughts. got. Go final for thoughts. it. Go for it. Okay, Yeshua talks about the sower, right? There's four different kinds of places that the seed falls, right? I, I see Shapira's book falling in the middle two. The place where it quickly it quickly sprouts up. They're excited. But it's gonna be the sun is gonna scorch it and it's gonna fry no fruit. And then there's gonna be the kind that falls among the thorns and it's gonna start growing, but it's gonna get choked up with the world. Those if there's any any excitement from his books, it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be ultimately fruitless. Now, on the other side, Yeshua will use this, I believe, for his glory, in that he will help it, uh, it will be a tool to separate wheat from chaff. Like those people who, may, they might start off buying into this book, and they'll get really excited about things that Yeshua wants them to be excited about, and then he's going to separate, and they're going to go through that separation phase. It'll be a little dark night of the soul kind of experience, maybe. Um, and But they're going to see the lie, they're going to see the false ways of thinking that are advocated in the book, and they're going to emerge in a, in a more renewed mind, according to Yeshua, and they'll learn from it. And that's who, that's who we're trying to target. We're trying to target Yeshua's flock. We want to give them the clear truth, and that's what we want to do. I have no clue what that ding-ding was. Did you hear that? That was, a, that was someone in heaven hitting a cling. <laughs> Uh, all right i like it hey man i hope you have a good rest of your uh festival of unleavened bread and uh, i hope all of our listeners do as well this is really a time to not only think of the uh the the children of israel coming out of egypt but it's also a time to reflect on us personally coming out of the egypt of sin being redeemed by the blood of the lamb and so uh i hope that everyone has a mind set on Yeshua during this festival season. Amen. And uh, He is our life. That's he right. He is our life. That's right. And so uh, not only that, but we hope that as people who put our thoughts forward and everything like that, we hope that what we say edifies, and it, we hope that it glorifies our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah.